Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Todd Lippi, editor of the Esopus Reader, a hardback anthology of fiction, nonfiction, poetry, and interviews. All of the book's contents originally appeared in Esopus, the nonprofit's art publication that Todd founded and edited from 2003 to 2018. Todd, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about the anthology, the Esopus Reader yet, can you talk about the anthology and the stories and interviews that it contains? Sure. Um, basically, uh, Esopus Magazine ran from, as you said, 2003 to 2018. And every issue featured quite a range of content from artist projects to visual essays to archival reproductions to fiction and nonfiction and other kinds of writing. Um, a lot of the writing, uh, some people felt was sometimes overshadowed by the kind of dynamic visual presentation to things in the magazine. And I always felt like it would be nice to just devote an entire volume just to the writing uh, without any other distractions. And the fact that many of those issues are now sold out made it seem like an even better idea. So the contents of the book range from uh, fiction. Um, Really proud. We did a series called uh, New Voices, which featured debuts of never before published fiction writers and a whole bunch of them. We have all 11 in the book and uh, more than half ended up with pretty serious book deals and novels and short story collections and publishing many other places uh, besides. So that's kind of an exciting legacy uh, for the magazine. Um, and then there's interviews. Um, there are a series of uh, essays written by creative practitioners ranging from composers to chefs to uh, lighting designers to game designers to architects. Basically, I, I would ask each of, each of them to write a, a kind of a personal take on their process, you know, what it, what it was like to, to choreograph dances to uh, Ligeti, the composer, or what it was like to learn how to uh, cook it in Italian kind of cuisine by, by moving to Italy. Um, and they kind of make up the other larger bulk of, of contents in the issue. And then there's poetry, there's some nonfiction essays, uh, more related to oddball subject matter, like, uh, the history of ice cream truck music or the influence of Ouija boards on creativity or Nostradamus's, uh, changing image over the course of 500 years. That's a, that's a, that's a quick, uh, survey for you. Sure. Well, what led you to start the magazine and keep it running for 15 years? Well, I had been in magazine publishing for a while and I was always a little, um, disappointed, a little disaffected by the influence of advertising, particularly on content in magazine publications. And, uh, I always felt like, uh, creative various different kinds of creative disciplines were pretty siloed in the magazine world. So you would always have your, you go to like a newsstand, you would see the literary section, and then you would see the music section, and then you would see the design section. And I, I like the idea of bringing everything together into one space and one publication um, without any kind of advertising, no commercial influence whatsoever, which is why we're a nonprofit. So we could do this through grants and personal donations. 
Um, and I really wanted to make it affordable. So the, the early issues were 10 bucks each and they're very uh, high quality printing. Most of the issues had pulled out posters. Each issue had a CD of new music um, commissioned by uh, musicians based on a particular theme. So the idea was to kind of create a limited edition artwork featuring a whole wide range of disciplines that everybody could have access to. So what were the challenges and the things that you enjoyed about editing and publishing a Sopus magazine for 15 years? Um, the, the challenges were just money. You know, it's always difficult <laughs> in, in, in any aspect of publishing. It's always hard, especially now um, to, to publish uh, a, a print magazine or book or anything that's related to this, this more, uh, you know, analog presentation of material. But um, when you're a nonprofit, it makes it easier somewhat in that you can apply for grants if you have this 501c3 designation from the IRS, which means anybody who gives you money will get a deduction on their income tax that next year. It also means larger public agencies like the National Endowment for the Arts or in New York, NISCA or uh, the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs. Mm -hmm can give you money. And we got quite a bit of money from, from them and from foundations like the Warhol Foundation and many others. Um, but it was always a struggle. It was always tough to, to get that next round of grants. There's a lot of applications you uh, fill out that, that you end up getting those on. Um, that was really the only major, major challenge. I'd say the other kind of significant issue was just finding a niche for the publication because it didn't really fit into any comfortable categories. It wasn't a, as I said earlier, it wasn't a literary magazine necessarily. It wasn't an art magazine necessarily. So kind of via distribution, finding places on newsstands for it where it wouldn't get lost in the shuffle uh, was a little challenging. Um, but, you know, the challenges were far outweighed by the joys of number one, being able to work with an incredible range of, of people well-known from artists like Jenny Holzer and Carrie James Marshall to writers like Carl Wolf Knausgaard and Francine Prose and uh, Ian Jim Shepard and a ton of other amazing people. Um, and then getting it into the hands of people who might not know about this work um, was super exciting and always a thrill. Well, I'm curious, do you have a favorite story or interview from the anthology? Oh my God, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's the, the piece that ends the issue was the first piece I commissioned. And I, I like to find um, younger writers, just like with the fiction stuff, um, who hadn't done a lot of publications or maybe hadn't published anything. And this writer's name was at the time, Heather Larson. She's now Heather McPherson. She married another contributor to a Sopus uh, after this was published. But I commissioned her in 2003 to go down to uh, Jessica Lynch, the, the soldier who you may remember was captured in Iraq and sure. then rescued, turned yep. into a huge media frenzy. Uh, and I wanted, since the magazine was so much about this kind of uh, oversized influence of commercialism on content, uh, I thought it would be interesting to have her go down and kind of suss out you know, what reporters had come down, how they were interacting with the locals, et cetera. And she ended up writing this really wonderful long form essay called Nothing Personal, um, which, I mean, I've so many things, so many pieces I love, but I guess maybe because this was the first, 
the first uh, result of a commission and it was so good uh, that I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for that. There's a you know, wonderful interview uh, with Lisa Kudrow and Michael Patrick King about their conception of and you know execution of the comeback, that wonderful HBO series that at that point it only run for one season and didn't look like it was going to run for another. Uh, and again, I could go on and on and on. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, it's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm anything <laughs> in here, it's in here because I love it and I think it's worth other people like getting a chance to read and see. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sure. Well, in addition to putting together this anthology, which um, was drawn from the, the many years of publication of the magazine, I'm curious, what are you doing now? Are you, are you still in magazine publishing? I'm still, the Soapness Foundation is still a, a, a running concern and we'll probably do another, uh, and we've stopped publishing the magazine, but I don't know if you're aware, last year we published a book called Modern Artifacts, which was um, a collection of all 18 installments of a series, the same name, uh, that we did with MoMA, where we would ask the archivist at MoMA, Michelle Ellegott, to basically introduce uh, a particular component of the archives in each issue of Asopa. So we did things like uh, documents related to the first Matisse one-person show in New York or um, a, a, an exhibition that was never actually mounted called Exhibition X in 1942 that was meant to get uh, a kind of sleepy populace behind the idea of taking on Germany in, uh, and being less isolationist in World War II. Um, so that was a, that was certainly, uh, that was a lot of fun to do sure. and it was, it turned out to be quite a success, which was nice. And we'll probably do another excerpt, a series of excerpts of, from a series called Guarded Opinions, um, which didn't quite make sense in this, uh, book, uh, in the anthology for a lot of reasons that a lot of other things didn't make sense and that they were all these essays were kind of tied pretty closely to artworks we'd ask uh, museum guards to write about an artwork that they oversaw so we got some really amazing reflections by people who spend more time with artwork uh, particular artwork anyway than maybe even the artist spent uh, and there are about i think 12 of those and they would really make for a nice little book so that's probably next. Um, and then with the foundation, I'm very involved in trying to get uh, back issues that we have left into libraries, public libraries that we're donating yeah. copies. And that's a pretty, that's been kind of rough over the past couple of years. We also had an <laughs> education initiative we were opening to. We had a bunch of events planned, which obviously have all been canceled. So hopefully we'll gear back up um, with all of that stuff as things, you know, knock on wood, uh, start to to come back to some degree of normalcy, although who knows these days. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, well, basically. Well, I, so think, I think if the New York City mayor has anything to say about it, is that he's ready for everybody to come back to the office. I was reading. I know. I, know. And of course, <laughs> I was reading this morning about some other new variant that's 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 oh, rearing no. somewhere. It's like, oh my God. 
anyway, uh, digressing, digressing, yeah. digressing. Um, <laughs> essentially, yeah, the the Asopus Foundation is still in, uh, you know, quite vital, and uh, I'm I am its executive director and also the editor of Asopus and all the books. So, I mean, I'm basically the only full time right. employee. So, um, and then I do other things as well. I'm a musician, and I also do uh, a fair amount of freelance design work. So, I'm busy. Got gotcha. a lot of good stuff. Well, when you were editing Asopus, uh, the magazine, did you mm-hmm. um, primarily approach authors about contributing or did you ever have open calls for manuscripts? Well, yes. So that's a great question. And I always love answering it because it, it's, it's multi-part answer. But for all the fiction, um, that was all unsolicited submissions. We, we did have people on our advisory board like Jim Shepard, who, you know, an amazing author who teaches at Williams and would send along when he felt like he had a particularly promising student, uh, he would send along a manuscript or put them in touch with me. But I, the bulk of those stories were all just things I found in the in the pile of submissions I would get. Wow. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of fine submissions. There were some not so great submissions. And then sure. every once in a while, you know, you from the first paragraph, you would just say, wow. And because you're you're really explicitly asking only for unpublished authors. It's a much more of a mixed bag as far as submissions. But when you get something good, it's a super exciting, uh, super exciting experience you know, to be able to be involved in that in that debut of that of that writer's work. Yeah, and absolutely. then you know with um, with better known people or artists that I approached, I generally I would approach them directly. I have like a wish list of people like you know Knausgaard was someone I was really basically stalking <laughs> um, for a couple of years before he agreed to do something. But the, 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 the complicating factor in all this was that I made a statement in the editor's note on the first issue of Asopus, and I really stuck to it. And that was, I'm not going to ever try to reach someone through their handler. So I would never reach out to, let's say, an author via his or her agent or um, a publicist or an artist through their gallery uh, or their manager. So uh, it was part of this whole desire to avoid this filtration of content and uh, having worked for a film magazine before that and having to deal with Asians who often never got the message to their clients who I would then see later at a event and they would say, I never heard anything about this. I wish I'd known I would have done it. I just thought, you know what, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to try to do it that way. I'm just going to struggle to find, you know, the person somehow by email or via, you know, I've been around for a while. So, you know, friends of friends of friends, it's a fairly large circle and you can usually get to somebody if you really push. Um, So that was, that was great because it's only me basically doing the magazine. It not only meant uh, I would contact them initially, but I would work directly with each contributor, whether it was a fiction writer, whether it was a nonfiction essayist, uh, whether it was an interview, it was just me and them. So there was very little um, noise between that relationship and when the issue uh, ended up on press. So, and that I think is kind of the legacy of the book as well. And that it's all really a series of personal relationships that resulted in these wonderful contributions. Where can people find Asopus online? Uh, it's, it's just literally Asopus, E-S-O-P-U-S dot O-R-G. Um, and that's where you can also learn more about the book. You can, we have a 
online store. So it's, uh, if sorry to be commercialized about it, but uh, if someone wants to purchase one, they can do it there or they can find it. Hopefully at their local independent bookstore, we're pretty well distributed. Um, and the book comes out, uh, well, I shouldn't say that because obviously this is going to come out later than when the book comes out anyway. So. Yeah. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Todd Lippy, editor of the Esopus Reader, a hardback anthology of fiction, nonfiction, poetry, and interviews. The anthology is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Todd, thanks for doing this interview. I'm so pleased to be able to done it. It was a super fun time. Thank you, Great. Jeff. Great. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.